Many years ago, I served in the United States Peace Corps in Thailand. The Peace Corps has a very effective way to help its volunteers learn the local language. They place you in a homestay with a family that speaks little to no English as soon as possible upon your arrival to the country. And so, two days into my Peace Corps adventure and still jet lagged, I found myself sitting on a straw mat with my new Thai family, smiling maniacally and wishing I could think of something to say besides, "I like pineapple." Dijan chop saparu. Especially since I don't like pineapple. Most mornings, I would walk out to the Buddhist temple to meet with three other Peace Corps volunteers who lived in the village and a Thai teacher or ajahn. Then I would return to have many sitcom-worthy misunderstandings with my homestay family. After three months of this, I felt very confident in my Thai speaking ability. You might even say I was overconfident. From training, I was sent to my official Peace Corps site, with no Thai ajahn, no competitive English-speaking village mates. My site was a wildlife sanctuary in a province of Thailand called Chayapum, which, according to the Lonely Planet (1997 edition), was the least visited by tourists province in the country. I had been there about an hour when I discovered that my Thai speaking skills were nowhere near as good in reality as they were in my head. For example, my new coworkers kept asking me to "tan cow." I could not figure out what they were talking about. Part of the problem is that Thai is a tonal language, and "cow" is one of those words that mean different things depending on what tone you say it in. Cow, 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 cow. I was so frustrated that I started asking them to define which tone they were using, which would be a little bit like asking a native English speaker if they're using the present perfect subjunctive tense. After a good deal of frustration on all sides, I realized my coworkers were asking me to come and eat, which is the first thing we learn to understand in homestay. In my defense, in homestay, when it was time to eat, my family would say, "Gin cow." I was used to ginning cow. I had never tanned cow before. However, my coworkers clearly had concerns. I realized I had to basically relearn the language. When you join the Peace Corps, thinking that you're going to make a difference or change the world, it can be a rough awakening to realize that you're going to spend a lot of time as a grown person who can only communicate at the level of an elementary student. I was convinced that my coworkers thought I was useless. For sure, they didn't know what to do with me, and all of us were uncomfortable. About two weeks after my arrival, one of my coworkers told me, using a mix of his first-grade English and my first-grade Thai, that some officials from the European Union were going to come to the sanctuary to investigate the possibility of giving the sanctuary some money for research and conservation. There were a number of rare species found in our sanctuary, including Asian elephants, leopards, and allegedly a Sumatran rhinoceros. You can help translate for us," he said with delight. He explained that the delegates were coming from France and Germany, and they could not speak Thai, but they could speak English. I was so relieved; I could finally be useful. The day arrived when the EU Commission came. Early in the morning, I dressed in my official Pukia Wildlife Sanctuary uniform, and walked confidently up to the office to have breakfast with my coworkers and the EU delegates. 
While we were eating and talking, my coworker told me that we would all be going up in a helicopter together to get a bird's eye view of the whole sanctuary. That's okay, right? He asked. Uh, sure, I said. Unsure. But I figured what the heck. I had never been in a helicopter, and the EU delegate seemed impressed by my Thai speaking ability. I was finally feeling like I had a place in this place. We met the pilot and the co-pilot and set off. I translated as best I could between the two forest rangers in the helicopter and the EU gentleman, as well as the pilot's occasional comments. I was doing pretty well, even if I sometimes smiled and nodded when I had no idea what anyone was talking about. I even traded a few jokes in Thai with the pilot. I looked out the window at the beautiful wildlife sanctuary. I was doing great. About midway through the ride, I realized that I had a little gas bubble in my tummy. I needed to burp. Now, burping is not extremely rude behavior in Thai culture, but it's not the height of politeness either. So I tried to fight it back. However, some burps won't be denied. Realizing it was a losing battle, I turned my head to the side, mid-translation, and daintily, oh so daintily, raised my hand to cover my mouth. And I didn't burp. I threw up. And no one was as surprised as me. A split second before it happened, it occurred to me that this might be one of those throw-up burps, so I clamped my jaw shut and prepared to swallow it back. As a result, much of the vomit took a detour and came out my nose. Motion sickness is an interesting modern-day phenomenon. We have these motion detectors called semicircular canals in our inner ears. There are three circles arranged roughly up and down, side to side, and back to front. Inside those circles, fluid sloshes around depending on what position your head is and if you're moving. Nerves in your inner ear pick up the position of the sloshing fluid and send that information to your brain to process. Keep in mind, though, that your eyes are also picking up information about your position and speed, and if your eyes are telling your brain that you're sitting still on a seat, speaking Thai to official-looking people, and your ears are telling your brain that you're hurtling through space and moving up and down and forward, the information doesn't match. Brains do not like it when information doesn't match, so they will try to do something about that. One hypothesis for why some people get motion sickness is that evolutionarily, the most likely reason a human might experience such a sensory mismatch would be from swallowing some kind of neurotoxin. The brain, sensibly, wants to eject that neurotoxin so that the information can match again. And if the human ate the neurotoxin, well, there's really only one way to eject it. Back in the helicopter, I looked down. I was covered in the rice soup we'd had for breakfast. It looked curiously similar to the way it had looked when I ate it. Then I looked up. Everyone in the helicopter was staring at me, mouths open. I tried to think of something to say. All I could come up with was, Do you have a bag? Me, my. Just then, we hit an air pocket and the helicopter dropped. I threw up again. The co-pilot was wildly searching for something to contain my breakfast. The pilot, meanwhile, was apologizing, saying that he couldn't land because they had spotted some villagers illegally cutting trees and they had to follow them. 
The other occupants of the helicopter were politely looking out of the windows and pretending not to notice me. Or the smell. The vomit, by this point, had collected in the pocket of my beloved official uniform and was pooling on my lap. As I felt my stomach lurch again, I had a crazy mental image of the pilot pulling a lever that would drop my seat out of the helicopter and into the lake below, and I imagined the relief that would bring. And then, I began to laugh. I laughed until the tears streamed down my face, and I laughed while I was throwing up, even as I got down to the dregs of stomach acid. Finally, we landed. As I got out of the helicopter, I could see several forest rangers from my office, standing by the helipad, trying desperately not to laugh. They had heard all about it on the radio, but they didn't want to hurt my feelings. It's all right, I said, covered in rice soup. You can laugh. And laugh they did. After that, we were all much, much more comfortable with each other. They taught me a lot of Thai slang for vomit, which came in surprisingly useful over the next two years, and I taught them English slang for a variety of bodily functions. Something even more useful that I got out of that experience, and it's something that has served me well beyond the Peace Corps years, was learning that sometimes having and sharing a good story is as close as I'll get to changing the world. But it does make a difference. This is Jennifer Kreps Frisch, Telling Biology. 